0: It's really quite simple. All you have to do is lead my guests on a chase for one day.
1: Little sport. I get it. A little hunt. You could call it that. They'll have weapons, won't they? Of course. There are rules. It'll be fair.
0: If you are still free at sundown, then the hunt will end. You can go on your way, and no one will bother you.
1: What if you don't go?
0: Then you will, I assure you, remain in this camp forever.
1: Let's take a moment and reflect back to that trope from days past known as the Great White Hunter. This gentleman adventurer was shown as an expert tracker, a crack shot, and skilled at wilderness survival. His exploits were written about in many examples of classic Western literature and to include those by authors such as H. Ryder Haggard and Ernest Hemingway. Then one day he was gone. Where did the great white hunter go? Why did this trope disappear? Well, for one, people probably got tired of reading about rich white men who go into poor countries and kill for sport. But another reason might simply be that there isn't anything challenging left to kill. I mean, what do you hunt after you've shot just about every animal that's walked the earth? Why you hunt humans, of course. And for the better part of film history, there have been plenty of movies that have shown man training his fellow man as game. Or perhaps a most dangerous game, you might say. But where did this start? How do we get from hunting rhinos with Hemingway to Arnold Schwarzenegger running for his life from American gladiator style glam hunters on national TV? I guess you'll just have to tune into this episode of Slums of Film History to find out. So mount up, lock and load, and ride out with us today as we take up human hunting.
0: of film history, a lowbrow look into the high art of cinema. Every episode is an in-depth look into a niche topic of film that is normally not discussed in polite company. I'm Slate. And I'm Tom. And each week, one of us
1: researches our respective topic, writes an episode, and then schools the other. We discuss everything from murderous gays, to evil sanders to horny nuns. If there's a film subject too taboo, we haven't found it yet. Welcome. Hey, Slate. Hi, Tom. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? Oh, man, I'm good. I'm good. We've, we've been doing this a lot of This <laughs> has been a long day. It's been a long-ass day. It really, really, really
0: has. So for everyone out there, you know, we do four episodes at a, at a time, and this time Tom has come up to Brooklyn, which is kind of unusual. We typically—I drive down to you, and we do it in our studio there— and this time we converted my little apartment into our sound studio Mm -hmm. and it's kind of been a comedy of errors although it hasn't been bad no not bad knock on wood you know but periodically like police siren goes by there's a guy fucking fixing his motorcycle outside revving it up for a while and we had to stop and we've been doing a lot of other things too today and so it's getting kind of late and usually we're done by now and so anyway, we're almost done. So yeah. This is the last episode of the recording, but it's been a funny day. It has
1: been that. And now we're in the looping <laughs> period. So God <laughs> knows start how going to go. Oh, yes we yeah. So uh, we'll just yes, kind of see have. how this one goes. Yeah. We'll see. This will be fun. Also, I don't have anything to put out. Usually, we, put we usually talk out.
0: about something and we ain't got shit this time. Or no, we ain't got shit.
1: So before I start my human hunting episode, which mm-hmm. I love this topic, and that's why I'm so glad to do it, I'm going to set some ground rules. Sure. Okay, so the films I'm focusing on are films that have a pretty clear situation where there is a hunter and a hunted. Okay, So one side has an advantage of where they're hunting somebody else who's essentially the prey. But that being said, I'm actually gonna leave out movies like Battle Royale, in the Hunger Games movies because, oh, okay. well, I talk about both of those and Kid Killing and other things, but also they're more gladiatorial movies where everyone's thrown in an arena and they, they go kill each other. That's a word gladiatorial is a word. If it's not, I made that shit up okay. and I'm gonna well, coin it. I that like bitch. it either way, but it is so everyone fighting each other, a very big Thunderdome type of thing. So it's not clear roles, everybody's hunting everybody. Sure, okay. Hunger Games has clear advantages, some are better trained than others or whatever, but it's in an arena, okay. so it's not really that. That situation i get it
0: you know i don't give a shit about hunger games i know remember i told you that i went to go see the second one and i was so drunk and i don't remember anything about it <laughs> i watched the first one but i think i was drunk when i saw that one too and so i was just like If somebody was like how was the hunger games i was like no oh, well, what huh yeah, nothing i threw up on my seat. um i do love battle royale though that is a fine I love that movie. It's great film. great movie a but it took a
1: lot for me to leave it out okay But I thought, no, I don't think it fits.
0: All right. Well, we talked about it for a minute, so that's good enough. Yeah, that's
1: good. So anyway, moving on. So let's go back to history. We always start with history. Love it. And I was trying to find some real evidence in history where it looked like human beings were being hunted. Ooh. And that was harder than I thought because there doesn't seem to be a lot. No. What I found, though, was in prehistoric times. Okay. And it was this article I found suggesting that man's early ancestors... It was in the prehistoric times, the newspaper? Yeah, I love that newspaper. I do the cross. Forward. So good. Yeah. yeah, it's great. Anyway, <laughs> see, I told you, loopy this is as fuck. not going to go well. No, it's not going to go well at all. But I found this article that suggested that man's early known relatives, known as hominids. Mm-hmm. We're not at the top of the food chain. And I picture them being like the monkeys from, you know, the beginning of 2001. Right, sure. Throwing bones up in the air and shit. Right, yeah, yeah. So that's how I view the hominids. Okay. And they would get killed by leopards and shit all the time. And then there was one child skull that they found that was one of these hominid skulls. Mm-hmm. And it suggested that an eagle had eaten this kid. Oh, really? So these fuckers were hunted by eagles Dummy. and shit. Yeah. yeah. So they weren't at the top of the food chain, so they were hunted by eagles and leopards. So I count that as being, you know, human hunted Stupid, yep. yeah. <laughs> Those dumbasses. Dunnies. They deserve to be extinct. <laughs> Fuck them. The second example I could find concerned the Spartans. Now, you know the Spartans, they were very macho, homoerotic warriors from the movie 300. Hot. Yeah, and they were pretty hot. And that they, was the worst movie I've ever seen, <laughs> but it was also kind of the
0: best movie I've <laughs> yeah. ever seen.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty gay, and there's a lot of bulging muscles and <sighs> stuff. So, But that's the Spartans. Yeah. But supposedly, they were assholes. I mean, just like as a people. Okay. And an example of some human hunting is is there was this group called the Helots, and they were like a subjugated populace under the Spartans. So mm-hmm. they, did, they weren't quite slaves, but they were more like servants of the Spartans. Okay. And they grossly outnumbered the Spartans. And sure, so sure. to ward off any type of like rebellion, because they outnumbered them, they would just randomly like pick a season and hunt them down and kill a bunch of them just to kind of keep the numbers a little lower. Uh-huh. Yeah, so they kind of hunted the Helots. I think that's how you say it. Hell, it's... That's population but, um, control, yep. But the third one here, and the one that's a little closer to home, and this is probably the biggest thing that influenced this whole trope, or genre, I guess you could call it, concerns a man named John Coulter. You ever heard of this dude? Nope. So John Coulter was one of the people in the Lewis and Clark expedition from about, you know, 1804 to 1806. Mm-hmm. He was one of their tracker people. Right, he right, with right. Them.
0: Starting to ring a bell.
1: And he was an excellent tracker. he's an excellent mm-hmm. hunter. He was invaluable to the expedition because they would, like, send his ass out to recon shit. He was a fucking mountain man. As a matter of fact, he's Considered like the first mountain man. And so, after he helped them out and did his part for Lewis and Clark, he still did some exploring. And he was probably even more remembered after Lewis and Clark for his explorations around 1807 to 1808, when he became the first known person of European descent to enter the region that's known as Yellowstone National Park. Oh, wow. He's the first white guy there, supposedly. Mm-hmm. And he spent months alone in the wilderness, and again, like I said, he's considered the first mountain man. Anyway, during these journeys, Coulter teamed up with this guy named John Potts, and they sort of were doing expedition shit together. I think they met on the Lewis and Clark expedition and then met up afterward and did some more exploring. And in 1809, while they were going up the Jefferson River by canoe, they encountered several hundred Blackfeet Indians. That's Blackfeet is what they are called. And they had had run-ins with them before, a couple years before. But anyway, they ran into them again. The Blackfeet demanded them to come ashore. Coulter went ashore and was disarmed and stripped naked. Potts refused to come in and, I guess, ended up shooting a couple of the Blackfeet Indians. They just killed that motherfucker and, like, dismembered his body or whatever. But after that, while Coulter was naked, they were about to kill him. But then some of the Indians had an an idea, and they asked him if he was a good runner. And he was like, no, I'm a shitty runner. So what they did is they told him to run. Mm -hmm. And so barefoot he took off and after a couple minutes they started chasing him right sure he was barefoot naked running through like pine needles and uh, cactus things whatever he's all fucked up and what's funny is that he was a really good runner Uh so good that he outpaced everybody except one dude Uh this one dude um, was coming up you know with a spear trying to get him John Coulter came up with this idea he just stopped turned around. Threw the guy off balance. He somehow got the spear and like just stabbed the motherfucker, took his blanket, and then just kept going. Uh He ended up crossing a river, hidden like a beaver dam kind of thing. and, And all the Blackfeet Indians were looking for him, trying to find him. You know, he was really exhausted and everything else. Finally, they couldn't find him. They looked everywhere. They couldn't find him. They wandered off looking for him elsewhere. And then at night, he finally, when everybody dispersed, he climbed out. And for 11 days and 250 miles, he made his way to a trader's fort at Little Bighorn. Mm you The mm-hmm. So, he got away, uh-huh. and this incident was written about in several books, including one written by Washington Irving, and the first motion picture of John Coulter's life was the 1912 silent film, John Coulter's Escape. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find this movie. I think it's a lost film, but there are others based on this story, and you'll see a lot more going forward, but that was a real-life case of this guy was being hunted for sport.
0: Hmm. I'm a little disappointed the Indians didn't catch him.
1: That's fucked up. It's, I mean, <laughs> we've kind of fucked them over pretty
0: bad. Like They could have you know, shot and killed that guy. I mean, That'd be great.
1: You know what? It was open sport. Yep. They told him to run, and he got away. I
0: mean, that was their dumb fault right. for, you know, so, kind of being like, you could have just killed the guy, but what, did you want to dick around, play around, have some fun? They, well, that's that's sorry, but
1: he got away. But this guy became a fucking legend after that. Mm-hmm. And this and what I'm about to talk next are probably the two biggest incidents that have influenced this whole trope. Okay. The next thing I'm going to talk about, since we are moving on, is a little short story called The Most Dangerous Game by Richard Connell. Uh-huh.
0: I only know this because you gave me the book and told me to read it, and I didn't
1: it's like four pages long and i couldn't it's, even it. And it's like no i'm not gonna read it i didn't outwardly
0: say i wasn't going to i just didn't
1: it's five pages with like 24 font like it's the biggest print on there well and slate's like no what fuck you and it's your short story not what i said but i will admit i did not read it <laughs> okay you did not read it anyway the most dangerous game is also known as the hounds of xeroff and it was first published in collier's weekly magazine on january 1924 I mean, it's a short story. It could be published. We know it's article. short, Tom, and I
0: didn't read it, even it's though it was short. You've made your take in
1: like five minutes. Anyway, the story features a big game hunter named Rhinesford, who's from New York City. He ends up falling off this yacht that he's on for dumb reasons. I think he was drinking. Whatever. It's kind
0: of a pretty legit reason, actually.
1: Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> we've all been there. I feel like that's probably what I would have done. Yeah, I think that's what I would have done, too. So, he falls off the yacht. He ends up swimming to what seems like an abandoned, isolated island in the Caribbean. Then he meets this Russian aristocrat who lives there, has his, like, castle there, named General Zaroff. General is a big game hunter who has hunted every big game you can think of, and he tells these stories, and of course he sees Rainsford as a fellow hunter, you know, because they both did safaris and all that shit, and has killed lions and all types of fucking shit. Anyway, he's like, I'm bored, you know, so I have a new game, and then new prey that I'm gonna hunt and it's very ominous and spoiler Rainsford becomes the prey and is hunted down yeah yeah and also spoiler for a 94 year old book Rainsford wins Uh anyway this short story is like the basis of all this shit yeah yeah and I had to read this in school you probably didn't because you don't remember it. No, or, I don't remember it. Okay. I feel like most people had to read this. But, like, in school. what's the
0: moral to that story? Like, I get what the moral of, you know, Lord of the Flies is and the Red Badge of Courage and Native Son and all that stuff, but, like.
1: I feel like the moral of the story, and any listeners out there that are teachers who make kids read this, is it because. Literally nobody out there that listens to
0: this is a teacher. <laughs> like, that. I would be upset if, if somebody that was teaching America's young was listening to this yeah, podcast. If an educator
1: was listening that to that, that would be to, <laughs> insulting. Insulting yeah. to the American, like. <laughs> <laughs> educational system. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. So I think it's just showing whether, you know, is man an animal? Is, are we no different than animals? Okay. Something like that. Yeah. You know, and in in morality and how somebody who's dignified like General Zarov can give in to their basis urges of hunting Okay, Keep so on. it is
0: kind of similar to Lord of the
1: Flies. I mean, there's a, of, human, there's a lot of elements. primal
0: human instincts
1: sure. and that we're no better than
0: animals. Okay, that right. makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So,
0: you could be a teacher, Tom. Oh, you hell taught no. me something today.
1: Oh, holy shit. Yeah. Write that down. I'll forget it tomorrow, don't worry. Nah, no, I know. Anyway, I liked it when I read it. I liked it again when I reread it. It's not a very long story, in case I didn't tell you that. Yeah, boy. Yeah. But that being the case, the first movie I'm going to talk about is the movie version of The Most Dangerous Game from 1932. And it follows the book pretty closely, except they add a woman in the mix and some <laughs> other elements. It's a really good movie. Uh-huh. It's free. It's online, so I'm going to put it on the site and post it so people can watch it. Maybe I'll watch Maybe it. Maybe you'll watch it. I, I think won't. you'll really I'm like not it. Not watching it. It was very popular when it came out. It made a profit of seventy thousand dollars, which was a big deal in 1932 sure. during its first year release. And I think it has a coveted 100 percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow, it's really
0: good. So that and Multiple Maniacs. Yeah,
1: they share. <laughs>
0: <laughs> They're very similar.
1: Yeah, ex- extremely <laughs> similar. Similar, similar plots. Yeah. Fun fact, this film was made by a team including Ernest B. Schusdack and Marion C. Cooper, the co-directors of King Kong.
0: Oh, really? Yep.
1: The film was shot at night on the King Kong jungle sets. Oh, cool.
0: You know know how I feel about King Kong.
1: Oh, yeah. And the cast includes King Kong leads Fay Ray and Robert Armstrong. Oh, whatever happened to Fay Ray? I don't know, but she's great in this, and it's a great movie. Hmm? So I'm going to skip ahead a little bit for my next film. It's called The Tenth Victim, and it's an Italian film, and it's from 1965. Okay. And it's a science fiction film. It's based on Robert Sheckley's 1953 short story, Seventh Victim, which they just added a couple more victims to for the sure. movie. And it takes place in the near future where big wars are avoided by giving individuals with violent tendencies a chance to kill in the big hunt. Okay. The hunt is the most popular form of entertainment in the world and also attracts participants who are looking for fame and fortune. So the way this works is it includes 10 rounds for each competitor, five as hunters, and then five as victims. So you get several rounds where you get to hunt somebody down, and they get rounds to hunt you down. Okay. So that's why it's different than, say, Battle Royale, where it's one big it's arena. It's like a gang bang, yeah. Yeah, it's just back and forth, back and forth. And, of course, it's televised, and they try to get everybody to shoot each other in front of the camera. So this is the first example of, like, a national TV sport or game show kind of where people get hunted down. And like it's, doing it for profit? And we're doing it for thing. profit but also and for ratings and so it's the first example I have where it's done for TV and that's important because it'll come back around. Okay. And just one fun fact on The Tenth Victim, this movie is like super 60s and it's basically a campy sex romp with human hunting in it. Oh really? Yeah. I love a 60s yeah. sex romp. Joseph E. Levine presents The Tenth Victim The motion picture that gives comedy something to shoot at. The tenth victim. Another fun fact the fembots from Awesome Powers, where they have boobs that shoot, Uh that happens in this. It's not a fembot, but this girl kills somebody by having nipple guns. Cool. Yeah, Yeah. So, fun fact. So the next movie I want to talk about is The Naked Prey from 1966. This one sounds familiar. Yeah, it's an adventure film starring Cornel Wilde. I mentioned his name because he also served as director and producer. But it's set in the South African Velt. The film is about a group of men who are on safari. One of the party refuses to give a gift to the tribes that they encounter. The tribe is offended. So they seize the party and one by one kills them in some fucked up ways. I think one of them gets killed by a snake bite and some other ways. The last surviving member is given the lion's chance by the tribal leader, which is he's to be hunted down by the party. So just like John Coulter, and actually that's, the story is based off of that. I mean, they pretty much rip it off Mm -hmm. whole cloth. The guy's stripped naked. He's weaponless and he's set loose and he's chased down and pretty much the same thing happens even with the spear and he kills the one guy with his own spear and keeps running and he finally makes it Spoiler, he finally makes it to like a little fort Uh that's run by the British or some shit. It's really good, and this was released on Criterion. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, cool. it's a good movie. Maybe it's that's worth watching. I know. Yeah, I've heard of it, but I don't think I've ever seen it. So, fun fact: Cornel Wilde, the actor, director, and producer, was 52 years old when this movie was shot and was sick during much of the filming. But he pressed on because he thought looking sick added to his performance. Okay, that makes sense. Other fun fact: As teenagers, Joel and Ethan Cohen, the Cohen brothers, mm-hmm. shot their own version of *The Naked Prey* on a Super 8 film camera. They called it *Zimers in Zambia*, and they cast some kid in their neighborhood as. a... Uh, the lead role. Oh, wow. Well. Yeah.
0: And they're like, get naked, kid. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's fucked up. <laughs> Coen's. Yeah. They would do that. Yeah. Probably. All right. Now I want to talk about some sleaze.
0: Oh, good. My favorite.
1: I know. I know you like the sleaze. So there's two movies that came out in 1972 that had similar plots and the same actresses. Okay. 72 yeah the first one is called The Woman Hunt it's a film directed by a guy named Eddie Romero it was the last of several films Romero made for Roger Corman's New World Pictures
0: yeah when you said that I was like I don't think I know this movie but I think I know the network that this movie worked in because yeah. we had spoken about you know Blood Feast and everything and what Roger
1: Corman was doing and he was making a lot of those type of movies yeah so. he was yeah and I mean it, it's a ripoff of The Most Dangerous Game but it's exactly what it sounds like women are set free on this island they get hunted down yep and Hot. there's tits and sleaze. Oh yeah. I bet I would like this one. Did you watch it? Yeah, it's everything you would think it is. Oh, so. God. We're writing it down. What's it called again? It's called The Woman Hunt. Literal, but fine. Yeah, you know exactly what you're getting. Mm-hmm. I'm watching this. The second one is pretty much the same fucking thing, and it's called The Suckers in Tobias. <laughs> <laughs> also from 1972 uh-huh. sure and it's about like, like I've, I've seen ha- the suckers but a different version of it <laughs> yeah I think, I think this might be slightly different but it's about a rich and powerful big game hunter who's tired of course of tracking animals so he gets an idea and he'll invite like the owners of this model agency he knows and two of their models as guests on his estate for the weekend and then use them as objects in his latest hunt that's the plot mm-hmm both of these films are pure sexploitation you know with standard violence against women getting smacked around getting killed shit like that but of course then the women end up getting payback at the end you know they come right, back sure. at the end it sounds a lot like Hostile <laughs> uh, it kind of does <laughs> you know that yeah.
0: it's like oh these people have grown bored of their normal thing and they have money and stuff like that so they decide to like kill people but then it turns into a revenge movie yeah I that's mean that's a, the
1: plot of Hostile that's, yeah that's the plot of all of these okay, things okay interesting and fun fact both of these movies star actress Lori Rose she basically plays the same character the same character in two different I movies movie both about in hunting women. Okay, great, Yeah, so yeah, mm-hmm. don't worry about getting typecast. Uh-huh, I'm sure. Yeah. So <laughs> moving on. Okay, the next film I want to talk about, and I was kind of leery about adding this in there, but I love this movie and I want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. It's called Southern Comfort from 1981. Yeah. I feel like I mentioned uh, this before.
0: Yeah, we've talked about it before.
1: So this one is a action thriller film directed by Walter Hill. So the film is set in 1973. It features the Louisiana Army National Guard, a squad of nine soldiers, and they're on weekend maneuvers in the bayou. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and they're kind of assholes, obviously. And they end up antagonizing some local Cajuns. They steal their canoes. And then when the Cajuns see that they stole them and they're right on the shore or whatever, the National Guardsmen kind of fuck with them. And they start shooting blanks at them. Uh Wouldn't do that. Yeah. And, of course, the Cajuns shoot back with real guns. And then from then on, they're basically being chased by these angry Cajuns because they fuck with the wrong Cajuns. So it's a little bit like Deliverance meets the most dangerous game. Yeah. Which I guess Deliverance is kind of like the most dangerous game. So so.
0: should I have talked about this in exploitation?
1: Maybe. I feel like I brought it up at the end. Maybe you did. I think I did. did. So anyway, this movie's really good, but it didn't really linger in people's conscience very much. And it's funny, Walter Hill kind of agrees with that. He said later after the movie, he said, it didn't make a fucking nickel anywhere. Foreign, domestic, anything. I was proud of the film, but I was disappointed in the lack of response. It was a universal audience failure. Usually you can say they loved it in Japan or something. I don't think anybody loved it anywhere. I loved it. I think it was a great movie. Okay. I good. think you so would like got, it.
0: It has one follower. And, uh And it might have me. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll, so, I'll check it out.
1: Okay. So moving on. Yep. So we talked about sleaze. We did. All right. So moving on, I want to talk about more sleaze. Okay, great. Good. Yeah. 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 So the next two movies I'm going to talk about are what are known as Ozploitation movies.
0: Oz? Yeah. Okay. Ozploitation. Oh, au- Australia.
1: Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Australian exploitation movies, which is a whole thing. But the first one I want to talk about is called Turkey Shoot from 1982. I like it already. It is 1995. Hunting is the national sport, and people are the prey. The world is ruled by a strict regime. Step out of line, and they take you to the funny farm. You could die laughing. Who will survive the blood and thunder shocker of the year? also known as Escape 2000 and Blood Camp Thatcher. (laughs) Thatcher? Thatcher. Not named after Margaret Margaret Thatcher, Thatcher, but it's some other thing. But anyway, the cast is a mix of international actors, Australian soap stars and a bunch of television personalities Osploitation movies did that they tried to bring in like American actors to get more of an audience sure anyway the film is notable for its extreme violence and it's really sadistic prison sequences it features plot elements of course from the most dangerous game but rather than having human targets hunted for sport by a madman on his own island the story is a totalitarian country and any subversives undesirables or deviants are sent to a prison camp to be quote unquote rehabilitated and reeducated so it's kind of like a women in prison movie because there's a lot of nudity. for women I mean there's men there too but Ilsa would be right at home here okay great yeah the guards are torturing killing prisoners for sport and the pinnacle of the guards oppression is an event where they select a band of prisoners and they're set free in the surrounding area around the prison Mm -hmm. to be hunted by the guards and special guests that are invited on there to hunt with them Okay. I mean, it is over the fucking top. Like this movie is just, it's it's pretty fucked up. It sounds good. Yeah, and a couple of fun facts on Turkey Shoot. Actress Linda Stoner, who was in this movie, had insisted on no nudity when she accepted the role, but when she arrived on set, she found out that she was required to do some. <laughs> she objected but pressure was put on her so she would compromise that's just wrong don't pressure to do nudity i mean i i love nudity in films. film <laughs> I so do too.
0: again of course don't pressure anyone and all the politically correct things but also like i like seeing a titty you know, like i just
1: i mean i'm a fan of titty as yeah,
0: well just like seeing a titty every now and then that's so. fine
1: yeah Anyway, clearly this film had never heard of the Me Too movement. Yeah. Fun fact: nude extras in the group shower scene were from a local hippie commune. Oh, really? Yeah. There's, that's always a great
0: place to find nude actors is hippie communes. Mm-hmm. And- You know, nudists are, you
1: know, they they don't give a shit. shit. They're kind of like,
0: I'm just flopping around here, so I might as well flop around and make some money.
1: So there's a lot of hippies flopping around in this movie. You have to see this movie. It's really something. It
0: has full female and male frontal nudity.
1: I don't think it has male frontal nudity. Mm -hmm. You know, I wrote it down, but we'll see. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you could have lied and said it has male frontal. There's dick everywhere in this movie. (laughs) I'll see it. All right. The next one I want to talk about, and it's another exploitation movie, is called Fair Game from 1986. Not to be confused with the Cindy, Cindy Crawford, Crawford and, Fair Game, yeah. and one of the oh. Baldwins yep. was in that one from the 90s. No, this is from 1986. And the description from IMDb is, I haven't seen this movie, but it's about a young woman running a wildlife sanctuary in the Australian outback who's in for trouble when she's confronted by three kangaroo hunters. Bored with killing kangaroos, they decide to kill the animals in the sanctuary, and then when they see how attractive the owner is, they decide to have a little fun with her, too. She was alone. They were renegades. She became the target of their savage hunt. She was fair game. They hunted her. They used her. Now, they pay the price. Fair game. This is a cross between sort of the most dangerous game and, like, I spit on your grave. Yeah, because I was she like, gets,
0: this sounds rapey, yeah.
1: I don't think she'd ever rape her, per se, but what they end up doing, and I saw the scene, they kind of strip her clothes off and then tie her on the front hood of a car like you would a deer. Right, and right. And just went driving around. But she ends up getting revenge and fucking them up, and I did watch that scene, too, so I watched where she kind of got paid back and some other stuff. Okay. It's pure exploitation and trashy and probably a bit boring, but the payback stuff's pretty good. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. My next movie is A Little Jim from 1985, which we tried to watch today and couldn't quite get through it, (sighs) called Jim Cotta. Gymkata. I don't even know what the fuck that What means. does that mean? I think they meant to combine the words gymnastics Gym. and yeah, like I got karate, that and that's it came out as Jim Cotton. Oh, God. I, but Jim is not even mentioned ever throughout the movie. I looked at fun facts, and it's not even mentioned as a thing, but that's the name of the movie. And I'll explain it to our audience here. So it's a martial arts film that's starring Olympic gymnast Kurt Thomas as an Olympic gymnast. Big shock. Who combines his gymnastic ability with martial arts to enter a deadly competition in a fictional country called... Parmistan, which is basically Parmistan. white European people wearing turbans. That's what Parmistan, remember? Oh, God.
0: I don't. Th- this.
1: <laughs> I'm I'm mad at you. This movie is
0: a piece of crap. <laughs> it's terrible. And I love shitty movies. Yeah. This movie is a piece of crap.
1: Let me explain the plot to this movie because we couldn't figure it out today. So the plot has Kurt Thomas, gymnast, not actor, gymnast. No, God. <laughs> oh, he is. He's the opposite of an actor. Yeah. Like, he's, yeah. Yeah. Well, I got some fun facts about him, but he stars... I say that loosely. There is nothing
0: fun about him. I'm <laughs> sorry,
1: but you're going to need to change the name of your facts because... All right. Well, there are facts, but let me explain the plot as it is supposedly happens in this go, movie. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> so... Kurt Thomas, gymnast, is approached by the Special Intelligence Agency. Special, The SIA, so they couldn't even, they didn't even use the Um, CIA in this. Okay, I'm gonna be quiet while you do this, so you can get through All right, so he has to play the game, which is like some sort of athletic competition, but he's also hunted by ninjas, that's part of the game, in Parmistan, and if he wins (laughs) and he gets a wish, and they want him to like, wish to put a Star Wars defense system in Parmistan. It's the most convoluted plot, it doesn't make fucking sense, I don't even want to read the rest of it, it doesn't make any sense. So he trains and he goes to Parmastan and fights horribly and acts even worse. His name, Kurt Thomas. His title, three-time world gymnastics champion. His assignment, a secret mission for the United States government. His only weapon, himself. When gymnastics and karate are fused... The combustion becomes an explosion and a new kind of martial arts superhero is born Jim Cutter
0: it's making a little bit more sense now because <laughs> I watched more of it than you did. But yeah. the weirdest thing about it is, when was this movie made? In 1985. 80, I, I was going to say 86. 85,
1: so, 86, whatever.
0: It kind of looks like the Karate Kid for about a half of a minute. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you're like, is this a period piece? Like what happened? Why is everybody wearing like these very like old style I mean it's also, oh of course that's what parma, they wear in parmistan yeah, traditional parmistan yeah. like garb or whatever but you'd kind of turn around and you're like why am I watching a period piece now? yeah it's terrible uh, there's a couple standouts one <laughs> is that like the it's super like is Parmistan supposed to be like Asian or like Arab I think it's Arab? generic
1: I think it's generic foreign Ugh, maybe boy. there's a the lot of Asian side.
0: characters in there which is totally fine because it's like oh is this a kung fu movie it's a it's nothing but right. it's like is this a kung fu movie but then they're in this like Saudi Arabia kind of place I don't know. Or whatever. It's super weird but one of my favorite scenes which I made you rewind was the asian like kung fu master of this guy or whatever is making him walk up the stairs on his hands but he's wearing these tiny little 80s gym shorts right. or whatever and tom was like i'm pretty sure i just saw
1: a ball and i was <laughs> like rewind it. Rewind it. and it was like a very long scene where i swear there's some balls hanging out of those like oh tiny shorts God. yeah i mean yeah, it was just positive.
0: very poorly art directed and yeah like, it's not flattering like <laughs> it's it's to terrible. be looking at someone's the, listen the worst part of a male <laughs> Is their testicles. And so to just put that right in the middle of the screen is really an unflattering right. move for an Olympic
1: gymnast. They should have treated him a little bit better,
0: you know. On no, set. based on
1: his acting, he didn't deserve to be treated any better at all. Uh, well, there
0: him. is also a very busty male character There's in There's some this. beefy men in this. Yeah, some super yeah. beefy men doing some weird kung fu things or whatever. But it was just
1: the acting is. Oh, it's horrible. Oh, really bad. So let me get to my facts. Okay. Since you refuse to believe the fun facts, that's fine. One, This movie was actually shot in Yugoslavia, which this looks like it was shot in Yugoslavia.
0: Everything about this feels like Yugoslavia. Yeah, yeah.
1: Two, Jim Cotta earned a Razzie Award nomination for Kurt Thomas as Worst New Star. I'm surprised anyone saw this movie to even give it a
0: Razzie nomination. Like, that's shocking to me. I mean,
1: his mullet was fabulous. He had a fabulous 80s mullet. I didn't mind his hair. Right. This is also, last fact, the film debut of Kurt Thomas, again, a former Olympic gymnast, in his only starring role in his career big surprise uh, there i don't feel bad for him <laughs> like this was probably one of those things that he should have been like
0: you know what maybe i won't he was, it was terrible maybe i won't do this yeah it was
1: terrible know. this movie's terrible but we at least got to make fun of it so. and i've seen his testicles so everybody has seen his testicles no it's one like, has seen this movie no one has seen his <laughs> testicles <laughs> fair enough all right moving on now we're going to go to a good movie. Okay. My next movie is Predator from 1987. Predator, yeah. I just told you, I
0: saw Predator recently. I, n- I never saw it when I was a kid. I wasn't allowed to watch really any Arnold Schwarzenegger or Sylvester Stallone movie. Those were considered too violent for Really, me. Uh-huh. And so I watched it for the first time, I don't know, less than a year ago.
1: So this takes the whole most dangerous game trope and like totally switches it up. Right. And I'm going to say that Predator is like the beginning of the end of the hulky action movie. Okay. You know, like the Arnie Sure, Rambo, Commando. Right, right, right. Where the the roided out. Unstoppable action guy I think right, right, this right. is the beginning Of the end of that uh-huh. And I'll tell you why But first I'm going to Kind of recap the movie I don't know anybody Who hasn't seen this movie But just to give you a Would recap Would have been me Six months ago Okay but, yep. fair enough So Arnold Schwarzenegger Is the leader of this CIA run team or whatever Oh
0: the SIA
1: Yeah he, he's running the SIA <laughs> Sorry he's a special forces guy Working for the SIA uh-huh, The SIA, Who SIA uh, has, is run by Carl Weathers Anyway so The special forces team Working for the SIA <laughs> Is going to the jungles Of South America uh, That's our new joke to That's take out the whole new joke yeah, have, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the SIA team is going into South America to kill some drug whatever people, bad mm-hmm. guys. Anyway, as they're down there, something starts hunting them yep. and killing all these big, beefy guys one by one. And, of course, Schwarzenegger's the last one telling people to get to the chopper. I-, I love Predator. I love the design of the alien. I think it's a fun movie. I think it's great. And there's a lot of things that I like about the. The reason I say it's the end of the action movie thing is, one, Arnie gets his ass beat. Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't outfight this thing. Another thing I noticed, there is a very specific homage to Most Dangerous Game in that his final trap, if you remember, is that wood thing that has like the spikes on it. It's like a tree. Yep. So that's like almost a direct, slightly different, but a direct homage to Most Dangerous Game where the main guy that's being hunted in that, Rainsford, sets up a very similar trap to kill the hunter. Oh, really? And that one also fails initially, just like Arnie's does, but then of course it succeeds in the end. Rainsford's doesn't, but I didn't even realize how close those two set pieces were, and that's an interesting almost I never knew it was there before. Uh-huh. I don't even know if it was intentional, but it was very similar, and I thought that was cool. Huh. You had something to say?
0: I'm going to surprise you. Are okay. You ready? Yes.
1: I actually really, really
0: liked Predator. Oh, good. I thought it was a fine film. Yes. Um, my only kind of comment was, because I actually thought it held up very, very well. You know, I hadn't seen it. It's from, what, 80... 80- yeah. yeah, The only thing that I thought was kind of the overuse of heat mapping, <laughs> you know, right. was kind of like now when you're looking at I'm sure that looks so fucking cool, like back in 87. But now I was like, yeah, yeah, we get like by like hour one, you're yeah. kind of like, cool, we got it. Shitty heat mapping, you know, like special effect or whatever. But otherwise, I thought it was a terrific movie. I thought that it was paced very nicely. Right. I liked the fact that they like emasculated, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who I actually kind of like as an actor. Like, you know, I, I just really thought that it kind of, like, took a lot of tropes, flipped them on their head, but not so much that it was, like, a parody, you know, or right. something like that. I just thought it was a really well-done movie. I loved the the design of the Predator. I thought he was super cool. Yeah. It kind of didn't show him, like, Jaws, you know? Like, I was just, like, I think one of my coworkers told me, like, oh, you have to watch the Predator. And I was like, I'm and when I watched it at the end of it I was expecting to be like this is stupid I, this is so <laughs> dumb I don't like these movies these big butch you know and I was like
1: I really enjoyed that yeah. yeah it's a great movie and the reason I say it's I think the beginning of the end of the big action star movies. one all these big guys just get their asses handed to them by which something I, even worse than I similar. liked you know, I did I too. thought that
0: was really refreshing
1: I did too but also second a year later Die Hard came out uh-huh. which was the beginning of the action movie with normal dudes in it right yeah and I think just the title tide was starting to change and you, we really don't I mean we have The Rock and people like that now but really action movies and a lot of the ones I mean John Wick is a big movie now and Keanu's not a beefy guy
0: right you Im- know imperfect heroes right yeah.
1: so it's, just, it's an interesting period in and yeah. this movie cool. sort of reflected that so real quick I want to talk about the sequel Predator 2 which I have a very soft spot in my heart for it. It, stars, it, yeah. it stars Danny Glover and this time the Predator is hunting in LA killing drug lords and stuff in the distant future of 1997 when the movie came out in 1990 Boy, yeah. mm-hmm. and violent La, I'm a big fan of that one. It's, it's the same theme. It's the same thing. So of course, the Predator movies get more convoluted as they go on. You know, and the Alien versus Predator and <sighs> Alien versus Predator Two is terrible, terrible movies. I don't even want to talk Didn't about we have them. We a
0: shout out that said we should do a crossovers episode. Yeah, a
1: while back. Yeah. yeah, but then we'd have to talk about this that movie, and I really don't want to do that. It just sounds like a
0: really bad, bad idea from yeah, the beginning.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, of course, in the movie Predators came out, in which case they sort of took the Predator theme to the extreme and kidnapped a bunch of humans and then dropped them on an alien safari world led by action star Adrian Brody. (laughs) Yawn. (laughs) Now, fun fact on that, though, what was interesting about that is there's a scene in Predators where the Predators have these, like, hunting dogs they send after them. And it's very similar to the same thing the Cajuns did in Southern Comfort, where they had their, like, Rottweilers that they sent after the National Guardsmen. When I saw that scene, I was like, that's very familiar. And it's not verbatim, I would say, but it's very, very similar. Okay. So the hunting dog attack thing. So it's just funny how these things parallel. All right, so then my next film I want to talk about came out the same year as Predator. It also had Arnold Schwarzenegger in it. Do you know what movie that is? No. It's called The Running Man.
0: Oh, yeah, the Stephen King. One. yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. hold on there's variations between the stephen king story and the movie so i'm going to talk about the movie first and its plot which is arnold schwarzenegger plays some sort of army commando who refuses to kill a bunch of people in some military raid so he's sent to this prison they end up sending him to this game show where he's thrown into an arena And all these, like, American Gladiator-looking, like, assassin guys, you know, one guy's name is Sub-Zero or something like that, one's Dynamo, one's Buzzsaw, and they all have their little gimmicks and how they kill people. Mm -hmm. And they're all trying to hunt him down, and, of course, he kills them all one by one. It's not a great movie. However, it has a a really great piece of casting in it in that the main show host of the Running Man TV show in the movie is none other than Richard Dawson, who was just coming off of a long stint as Mm. the host of Family Feud. Yeah, that's interesting. So they picked the real game show host. And he does a really good job because his persona on stage is pretty much exactly like it is in the Family Feud. And then, of course, when they show him backstage, he's a seedy piece of shit asshole guy. So it was a really great piece of casting. It's probably one of the highlights in the movie. The movie's okay. I thought I remember that the movie got terrible reviews. And, I enjoyed like, it at didn't the time do well, when I was yeah. a kid. Yeah, it's not great, but it's got great moments and, and Richard Dawson does a great job in it. And I think he was praised the most of anything in the movie. Sure. The movie's got some decent effects. It's got some Arnie one-liners, you know. He cuts some dude's nuts off with of the chainsaw and he's like, he had to split. You know, whatever. Stupid shit. It's dumb. <laughs> but it's different than the Stephen King book because the Stephen King book is a game show. Right. But it's one where the person who is select on the show basically lets out in the wild, these hunters go after him, and any of the viewing public can participate and hunt and either turn him in or hunt him down. And it's this huge like reality game show where it's not just an arena, he's let out into the world. And so people see him and call him in, and they get interviewed, and it's this big thing. And I love the book. The movie's okay, but the book is really, really great, in my opinion. And when it was published, it was published under his pseudonym, Richard Bachman, it was in the Bachman books, which is like a four-book series. Sure, yeah, yeah, seem- yeah, and the road work and the long walk or whatever. But the book is very dystopian, very dark, futuristic. It's totally different. The main character is totally you know, different than a Schwarzenegger type of guy and it's worth reading. I kind of wish they'd have made it like the book just because the book is sort of relevant to now, but it's interesting because the ending of the book, they could never film that now. Spoiler, the ending of the book, there's like the games building where all this takes place, you know, where they host the games or whatever. The main guy flies a plane into it and blows it up. Oh, boy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, couldn't mm-hmm. make that today. Abort,
0: abort, abort. It's a
1: spoiler, but it's a really, really a great, great fucking book, and I, and I recommend it. And again, the parallels of something like The Tenth Victim, this whole idea of a TV show, game show kind of thing keeps popping up here and there. And I'm telling you to hold on to that because that's going to come back around later. Okay. All right, so I'm going to move on to the 90s. Okay. Because there's two films I really have to talk about. I just got to talk about. One is called Hard Target from 1993, starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. You always bring up Jean-Claude Van Damme. Do I really? yes yeah. so You've had a lot of them in here. I don't really mean to do we that. We talked
0: about Hard Target and snuff films, right? Oh, did we? I don't remember. Is it a snuff movie? No. All right. Tell me about it. I'll tell you.
1: So anyway, so it stars Jean-Claude Van Damme with a glorious mullet. Mm-hmm. And he is in New Orleans. And this woman hires him to find her father or whatever because he thinks, you know, because he's missing and in doing so he ends up getting wrapped up in this human hunting thing run by Lance Hendrickson where people see he pay, a vigilante vet? Probably, maybe. <sighs> maybe I mentioned it. I don't know. I'd have right, to look it up. Sorry, Either way Trying to place it. Lance Hendrickson plays an evil guy named Emile Fouchon and he runs this hunting humans thing where people pay a lot of money to kill some homeless guy or whoever. Maybe I said it in homeless. I think I don't it was know. the Homeless, yeah. Anyway, so Van Damme is totally ridiculous with his mullet. I watched parts of it again for the podcast and it's directed by John Mu so it's very stylish in that genre 90s style, you know, doves flying, slow motion shooting shit, you know what I mean? Two-handed gun style that people have ripped off for a while. And what I noticed when I watched it again is you could probably, and I don't know why no one's done this, you could probably replace Jean-Claude Van Damme with Tommy Wiseau because <laughs> they sound similar and they have the similar hair in the movie. I'm surprised no one's like dubbed in Tommy Wiseau doing the Jean-Claude <laughs> Van hilarious. Damme piece. But they should. Anyway, fun fact on this, this movie has Wolford Brimley in it playing a Cajun cow Boy who rides horses and shoots bows and arrows, and he's like, Jean Claude Van Damme, you have diabetes. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much it. It's something you really should see it. I'm not going to. I know there's
0: a new game in town. You'll be provided with a guide, trackers, and the weapons of your choice. The competitors <laughs> are deadly, and they always win. The Jean Claude Van Damme is the hard target.
1: How's it feel to be hunted? You tell me.
0: Hard target.
1: If I didn't talk about Hard Target, some listener would be like, why didn't you talk about Hard Target? So I didn't talk about Hard Target. My next one you're going to like just as much, though. It's called Surviving the Game, starring Ice-T. Yeah, I remember this one. Yeah. It has Gary Busey, Rutger Hauer, and Ice-T plays this homeless guy who gets is trying to kill himself, but he's stopped in the last minute by somebody who's part of this hunting troop you find out later. And they're like, hey, come on this, like, hunting trip with us. And so they take him out in the middle of nowhere, and they say, hey, um, you're going to be our hunting guide. But then they turn out that they're actually hunting him, and they you're say... Talking- about this and Scourge of the homeless. As we well. did, we yeah. did talk about it because he was homeless. Mm-hmm. And of course, they hunt after him, and it's Ice T playing Ice T. You know, take that bitch. I'm Ice T. Oof. I can't do Ice T's voice. That's all I can do. But I like surviving the game a little bit. I mean, I don't know how you feel about Ice T, but it's it's something. Anyway, at this point, you can see these different tropes these movies tend to fall into. It's one where it's like a hunting party where people pay in their own little safari to hunt. It's either somebody's own property where they're like, I'm the lone hunter, I'm going to hunt you down, or it's like some sort of national TV game show. It seems like it falls in one of those three things. Sure, yeah. And so, again, you'll see that going forward. Next thing I'm going to just talk about real quick, I'm just going to bring it up, is this whole human hunting thing was played for comedy in the what looked very horrible, I didn't watch it movie, The Pest from 1997, starring. John Leguizamo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I vaguely remember this. And I guess somebody's trying to hunt him down because he's annoying. It's a a comedy version of Most Dangerous Game. The fun fact I could find for that was that I think it was in the movie theaters for like a week. Yeah. Oh, and there's a good quote from a reviewer from the San Francisco Chronicle who said, Obviously, someone must have told Nuguziamo he's a comic genius. Whoever did that wasn't a good friend. Yeah. I like some of his comedy, but this looked terrible. Yeah. So the last film I want to talk about in this episode is Apocalypto from 2006. Mm. Uh Uh-huh, sure. So this is directed by problematic auteur, actor Mel Gibson. Right after Passion of the Christ. Right after the Jesus Chainsaw Massacre, a.k.a. Passion of the Christ. And it's a pretty damn good movie.
0: Ugh, I have to admit, I loved Apocalypse. Yeah, it's it great. embarrassing, but I really enjoyed it.
1: No, it's a wonderful movie. It's also pretty much a direct remake of Naked Prey. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. At least that second half of it. Sure. So for those who haven't seen this movie, I recommend it. Oh, I, it's I really great. enjoyed it. It, it's super upsetting, it which is, is super upsetting. one of the reasons why I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it really, really is. So let me tell you about the plot of the movie. So it's about a guy named Jaguar Paul. He's a... a That's me- my poor name. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good name for you. He's a Mesoamerican hunter. He and his fellow tribemen are captured by an invading force after the destruction of their village he's taken to this Mayan city and half of the movies, this whole journey. Well, first let me back up and say, as they were invading his village, his pregnant wife and his young son, he hides them in a well so that the marauders won't find it. All the people that get kidnapped himself and his friends and some of his family, they get moved up to this Mayan city. So half the movie is the journey into the city. And of course things get really weird. And you know, that it's trying to show what Mayan civilization was like. And Mel Gibson does a really good job showing that era. Also there's a, freaking midnight cowboy joke in there really yeah there's a part where they're leading the prisoners three you know they tie them to a board and they're leading them to the the city and they go by an area where people are cutting trees down and a tree almost falls on the group and the main guy you know, the big warrior guy who's like the leader of the hunting party guy with the cool knife uh-huh. he's like First of all, the whole movie's in another language. It's right, in some it's, sort of yeah, it's like Mayan. translated in. Yeah. yeah, but he's like basically I'm walking, I'm walking here. here. Yeah, yeah. I watched it again for this episode, and I picked it up. I'm like, really?
0: Oh, wow. it's a Midnight Yeah, reference. I d- obviously didn't catch it. I've only seen it one time. So right when it first came out.
1: Yeah. Anyway, they go to the city, and there's this long thing, and you see basically this whole civilization, and it's very decadent when they get to the city. Yeah. You know. And there's this huge human sacrifice thing going on and they're basically led up to the temple and they're about to be sacrificed, which involves cutting your heart out while you're still alive and then cutting your head off and rolling your corpse and your head down the steps and the steps are covered with blood. It's upsetting. It's very upsetting. At the last second, there's this eclipse that happens. They think, you know, the people that are sacrificing people are like, it's a thing from the gods, so we will stop sacrificing. But then the priest who's sacrificing people tells the hunter guy, hey, get rid of him. So they take him back to this little alley place where they do the naked prey thing, which is they put a guy at the end, of the little arena, and they let some people go, and then they throw spears at him to see if they can hit him. And if they make it past the spears, the person at the end is supposed to kill him. Right. Yep. So it's fun for sport. Anyway, Jaguar Paul is let go. He runs down, and again, he's almost getting hit. I think he gets hit by a spear, like in his shoulder. the guy's about to kill him but he uses the tip of spear to kill the guy that's at the end and then he starts running in the woods so everybody starts chasing him where the guy that he kills is the son of that big leader guy so now the second half of the movie is nothing but a chase scene through the jungle a la naked prey and you know fun fact turns the tables on him And kills a few of them as he goes. And it's a thrilling movie. It's a great movie. I really enjoyed it. But it is very, very dark. Yeah. But it's worth watching. But anyway, it's a great movie. I think... I don't know. It did really well. I don't know if it did really well. It did pretty well. And it got a lot of praise. Okay, so... That's the last of the movies I'm going to talk about, but I want to bring this thing back around to real life. Because as I said, I couldn't find any evidence in history, besides the John Coulter thing, of human hunting being a real thing. However, there's a couple of modern references that popped up in modern day. The first thing I found was this photograph that had, I think popped up on the internet sometime in around 2014 of an image of a smiling white guy holding a rifle and what looked like a dead black kid on the ground in front of him. Mm -hmm. So it opened up this big thing where people thought that white people were paying money to hunt African kids. It turned out to be a fraud, but it became this whole big thing because the guy who took the picture, number one, that's tasteless as fuck and terrible, but... He paid the kid to lay there and took the picture for whatever stupid reason, but then somebody else took it and then said, black kid's being hunted in Africa, so it became a big thing. Right. But my thing is, don't take pictures where it looks like you're hunting kids, it's, black kids or any kid. It's really, it's, it's, it's bad horrible. form. It's, it's very bad form. form. It's terrible. So that turned out to be a fraud. However, unfortunately, there was a real life case of human hunting, and that occurred in the 80s, well, 70s and 80s, by a guy named Robert Christian Hansen, who was a serial killer in Alaska. So between 1971 and 1983, this guy, Hanson, abducted, raped, and murdered at least 17 people, uh, possibly even more. What he did was he would grab these women and he would kidnap them and then take them out in the middle of nowhere in Anchorage, Alaska, where he had like a hunting shed. Uh-huh. And he would set them loose and then hum them down with a Ruger Mini-14 and a knife. Like he would just hunt them down. Uff. What happened was, well, he got caught in 1983. He was sentenced to 461 years and a life sentence without the possibility of parole. It's a lot. Yep. Yeah. How he got caught? On June 13, 1983, a 17-year-old woman named Cindy Paulson escaped from Hanson while he was trying to load her into his, like, airplane to take her out there. He had kidnapped her a few days before, kept her in his basement, raped her, did terrible things, and then he was like, I'm going to take you to my shack or whatever. And as he was fueling his plane, she managed to escape from his car, went out to the road, you know, because was, he was at a little airstrip, went out to the road, got picked up. And so she was able to get away from him, and then he got arrested. But that's fucked up shit. Yeah, that's a lot
0: like that Jeffrey Dahmer like thing. Is that yeah. like he was like kind of pulling people in? Somebody got away, but then he got him back. Like, right, right.
1: Ew. Luckily this time he didn't get him back, and she got away. But yeah, he was just taking people out there and hunting them. It's fucked oh. up. Fun fact on this: John Cusack portrayed Hanson in the film *The Frozen Ground* from 2013. I never saw it. Nicholas Cage is in it, so it's probably weird. Probably mm-hmm. bad shit criminal minds did an episode uh, about this guy he was referred to as a name and then i think law and order special victims unit since we're bringing this back around to Ice tea uh-huh. there was a, a version of this story told in that and also surviving the game sort of took elements of this too because again they flew to a place you can only get to with an airplane and that's what this hansen guy did and then told him to run back to civilization and of course he killed him and that's what happened with Ice tea so he turned the tables so on the lighter side, and this is the last big thing I'm going to talk about, there was this guy who calls himself Mork Encino, and he launched a website on June of 2011 called Hunt Me for Sport. Mm-hmm. On his site, Mork offered himself up as hunting prey and, to quote his offer, if I'm trapped and killed, you stand to earn the respect of your fellow hunters, a prized human mount for your wall, and all income from any organ harvest. For this, I asked the reasonable sum of $10,000 U.S. per hunt slash round. I will be armed only with my wits and the clothes on my back. Naked is extra $2,000 according oh, to the site. Yeah. Around is a day's hunt, so a full day. I will not attempt self-defense. I will only seek to evade capture. In the event of my demise, all payment will be default to my family. So that's much cheaper than like hunting for Iced Tea or Van Dam. I'm sure. Uh-huh. I mean, that's a that's a pretty good deal, $2,000. His site is still up, HuntMeForSport.com, if you care to go. It hasn't been updated since 2011. And there's kind of like a post, quote-unquote, from his parents that says they think he's dead. And there's a link to a video where he's, like, sitting there playing a song. And somebody kind of, like, looks like they're sneaking up with him with a shotgun. So, I don't, you know, maybe the guy's been hunted. Maybe he's dead. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous, but it helped some dork get a small bit of publicity. You know what I mean? I mean, who would dedicate their time to something dorky just for a small bit of... fame who, who would do something like that let me see what you did there <laughs> yeah yeah anyway so these modern cases seem to be few and far between considering how many films and shows use this as a plot point. Mm-hmm. You know, I could only find a couple of actual cases, and one is this goofy dude. However, bringing this into the future, according to a British tourism expert, a guy named Daniel Wright, and he's from the University of Central Lancashire, Lancashire, whatever, it's British, he wrote an article in Futures magazine, a scientific journal, claiming that he predicts hunting humans may become a reality in the not-so-distant future. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Yeah, the prediction is that hunting humans will become a trend for the incredibly rich by the year 2100. Mm -hmm. The sport may be an underground activity initially, but he believes by 2200 it will be a legitimate televised sport like any other game today. And he makes these claims because he says you could see elements of that today. He mentions stuff like dark tourism where people go and see concentration camps or they might go on tours where they see the, where the Whitechapel murders, you know, or Jack the Ripper kill people. You know, so there's already places where people go to see fucked up shit. So he's saying that that dark curiosity will lead to people wanting more in the future. Things like more and more extreme TV shows and reality shows will lead to that. Sure. And, of course, he talks about considering climate change and the income disparity. We're going to have rich people getting richer, poor people getting poorer. So, of course, poor people are going to get hunted. Why not? You know, they'll do anything for money in the future. Right, sure. But to finally wrap this up, I just kind of want to break it down and say that it's amazing how overall, when you look at all the movies I talked about, and there were plenty, that they really come down to two stories. Most Dangerous Game and then John Coulter's Escape. Everything's derivative from those two things. You know, again, there's some real-life stuff that I tried to find from ancient times. And, of course, the serial killer shit now. But for the most part, everything traces back to those two stories. And yet, it keeps getting mined more and more. Sure. And, you know, it doesn't seem to go away. Sure, sure. Although, hopefully, it stays on the silver screen and not you know, in a hundred years become a reality TV show. Uh Or if you don't want to wait a hundred years, you can just save up ten thousand dollars and hunt down that naked mort guy. All right, that's all I got. All right. This one was super interesting because it was kind of similar in
0: structure to like Deals with the Devil, the one that I did a couple episodes ago. Yeah, yeah. Because all of those movies were based on Faust. You know? So like everything that ever came out of a Deal with the Devil thing could be traced back to like that one story. And this was similar to, you know, Dangerous Game and what was that guy's name john coulter naked mcrunny and that's what i call him mm-hmm. probably what i'm gonna get out of this episode is naked mcrunny that's that's fair every time i see someone naked i'm gonna be like oh there's naked mcrunny yeah yeah that's that's perfectly fair he's being chased yeah <laughs> good i enjoyed this one this one was super
1: fun it was fun to do yeah. and i don't know why this topic just came to me and i'm like there's a lot of movies that do this that follow this trope and i was wondering why and really yeah they just stole it from two different stories and ran with it and that's where we are yeah cool it's, it's always gonna be around well, i really enjoyed this one tom all right well thanks and thanks everybody for listening in we will see you next week take care bye right. everyone peace out thanks for listening to slums of film history you can find us on the web at slums of where you can find links to some of the movies we talked about today along with pictures videos and additional resources as well as sunday slum day our weekly recommendation for the best and sometimes
0: worst films every sunday night If you want to keep up with us, we're on Facebook and Twitter where we share out a lot of additional content. And as always, please fact check us and let us know if we left anything out. We're not professionals, just two friends that love gross movies.
1: Also, spoiler for a 94 year old book, Rainsford wins. Uh
0: huh. Oh, good.
1: Wait, Rainsford was the bad guy, right? No, no, no. That was General Zorov.
0: Oh, no. Oh, God. Can somebody just kill these people? <laughs> somebody fucking kill these white people.